0: Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. And this time, I spoke with my friend Avery Rowland about massage therapy and body work. I asked her the difference between those. I learned so much. And then she reversed it on me and started asking me questions that kind of brought out some of my own story, my own... Journey and it was just so rich and it felt really special. I learned a lot and I have a feeling you will too, so enjoy.
1: I'd
2: Same. Check in with you on that.
0: Um, Same here. Okay. So cool. there's there are so many there are so many terms to try to keep up with, and you maybe you know just just help me understand um, how I keep hearing phrases like body work, mm-hmm. which makes sense to me, but I'm wondering if that's just a is it just a different way of saying massage therapy, or is it something slightly different than massage therapy?
2: Mm, mm, that's a really good question. It's so body work as a whole, The and you know, the thing about it is, is there's not a regulated manual with these terms, right? So, you know, obviously if you asked another practitioner, they might tell you something different across the board. Body work itself is a umbrella term that refers to all practices that help us realign ourselves with our body, help us get into our body with movement. Uh, This can be something that requires a facilitator like massage, or it could be a self-guided practice like yoga or meditation, dancing, acro yoga, fire spinning, ecstatic dance, um, really uh, running, hiking, biking, literally anything. You could use that term as a Umbrella statement for anything that helps us work with our bodies, right? Um, and help us get into a better state, you know, physically.
0: And and maybe mentally, emotionally, spiritually, et cetera. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah.
2: yeah. All very, very much connected. Uh my title is licensed massage and body work therapist. So massage does fall into the bodywork world. It's something that requires, you know, somebody else. you can't really self-massage. Um but there's also a level of my job that is education and guiding people on how to do self practice of body work. Right. Um, so whatever way that I can really encourage and foster that and massage is, yeah, again, a facet of that. I've been practicing massage for about four years now coming on my fourth year. Um, before that I was in nursing school at ASU or pre-nursing at ASU and I got in a hiking accident and fell about 30 feet and got a concussion. Um, I don't remember if I knew you back then or anything like that. Uh, I don't think I did. Um, I mean, I
0: certainly didn't know that you got in that accident.
2: You know, it's, it's so funny because I think I kind of disappeared from a lot of people, like just kind of didn't mention anything about it to a lot of people and just kind of fell off the map in a lot of ways. Um, and that was when I was in ASU. And that was like 2017, something like that, I think. Uh, honestly, the timeline's a little fuzzy to me. Um, mm-hmm. don't remember too much from that period. Um, but I was pre-nursing. Um, I
0: see the connection, or I, I feel a connection between the desire to go to nursing and the desire to do <laughs> massage therapy. They both feel the same, but a different approach to healing. Um, yes. Yeah, for lack of a better word, healing. I mean, I know that it's not just healing a wound it's also wholeness and preventative things I know it's not just healing a boo-boo you know but, um, but
1: <laughs> yeah but it still yeah.
0: has a similar vibe kind of to it it's like you want to help I mean if I had to really boil down the details of medical and very
2: boiled it's down. almost
0: like west and east version of wanting to do the same thing for someone
2: yeah yeah well oh, that's it's I was wondering if, like, is the question gonna come up of is massage healthcare, right? Is uh is this healthcare? And I think that if you that's a very, very loaded question and very much depends on the person that you're asking. Um, again, you know, it's not a very highly regulated field in the US as it is in places like Canada. There it's a lot more regulated as a practice, and it's considered a lot more, they've done a lot more work into making it a part of regulated healthcare over there. Um, in the U S that is not the case. We view it more as a complementary therapy. It's not something that you can really easily get billed to insurance. So I think by all operational definitions, you couldn't lump it as healthcare, Um, as a whole massage is what I like to think of it. Massage and body work as a whole really work better as a preventative medicine form. And you kind of touched on that, especially, you know, when we're talking about East versus West traditions, uh, that's, you know, that's a very polarizing, view so we try to like how can we really homogenize these two things and how can we notice the similarities uh what western medicine relies on as a foundation is research right so something that we can prove in a study and and that's a repeatable outcome and it's an effective outcome across the board that's not the case with massage we can't really massage is very difficult to research <laughs> but mostly because it requires self-reporting and that's very that can be very inaccurate so, because it's such a, word? Because it's such a self-aware experience, and it's really hard to measure the outcomes of that since they're only self-reported. It's very difficult to make it a regulated thing. Um, but you know, as as we come out of the opioid epidemic, actually, there is a growing field of research that's going into pain science and how our bodies relate to pain and how we, you know, perceive that. And so in that, we've been getting more traction with research and massage, which is great. So more money is being funded towards complementary therapies, preventative therapies, and things that uh, can help mitigate pain. So that's really great. Um, still have a long ways to go in getting that to become something that we can have a large body of research that we can refer to. Um, not quite there yet. As of now, I like to tell people, you know, it's something that if it makes you feel good, that is awesome. Same thing again, same thing with all forms of body work. If it's, it's, it's really about pursuing what makes you feel good and what helps bring your body to more ease. So,
0: Oh, I like that phrase to more ease. Cause that's what I, my next question was kind of like, what, <laughs> this is like a really silly way of asking it, but what is massage? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it seems like an it seems like a silly question. Like it's when you massage someone, but try to define massage without using the word massage.
2: Yes. Okay. We can do that. So, in a present day context, we could talk about like historically what that means, because it is actually one of the oldest forms of healthcare, from what we do know, which is obviously very limited. Um, it is actually one of the oldest forms of healthcare, though uh, right alongside with acupuncture and acupressure, we do have evidence for those, you know, the Neanderthal, who was it, the Iceman that was found very, very old. One of the oldest human remains that's very fully intact. He had evidence of having tattoos that were used as acupuncture, right? So we have evidence of body work, acupuncture being another form of body work, very, very, very early in the human experience. We could even say that we've co-evolved with it, which is very cool. Um, I like to think of how communal massage is because you can't, again, we, I keep using the word massage. I apologize, but uh, we can't massage ourselves. Um, So there's a level of this that it requires another human to touch us, right? It requires another person to say, I reckon you told me that this hurts right here. So I'm going to literally place my hand on it. And I'm going to show you my presence and awareness in this spot. And maybe that'll make you feel better. Maybe it won't. Um, There's a lot more to it than that. Obviously, as we learn more about the body, we learn better treatments and effective method techniques and that kind of thing. But the physical manipulation of soft tissue, which is would, would be our standardized definition of massage okay. without okay. using the word, uh, physical manipulation of soft tissue by a practitioner that's trained that knows the body knows points of contraindication that you wouldn't want to use pressure or that kind of thing. in. um, so it, and it does, and we do know, thank, fortunately with the research that we do have with massage we do know that physical manipulation of soft tissues can relieve musculoskeletal pain depending on the condition that somebody has so
0: that's really helpful and i love i love the way of thinking of on the basic level i mean obviously i'm i'm with you it is it's important for someone to be trained and know what they're doing right but if you just take that to this zoom away from that detail it's one human saying i see you and i hear you
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i'm going to try to help you and i'm going to touch right
1: you. right and that, and that yeah. matters
0: like on a human level a human yeah. touching another human to try to help them is a really beautiful thing
2: yes yes and i'm such a big fan of it and it's really so much of it about is honestly it's just presence it's just like telling somebody that hey i'm going to be present with you i'm going to hold a space for you and you're yeah. going to feel what you need to feel in your body and i'm going to be here with you and feel it with you and <clears throat> you know it's actually really funny too when it comes to the training thing we're such a stickler for methodologies in the u.s especially in healthcare, which is a, is a really good thing um it's gotten us really far in western medicine uh Again, if we're kind of looking at the eastern side of this coin, over in Thailand, for instance, massage is very heavily practiced as a communal art. So families are consistently working on each other. It's something that you you do with each other. Um <clears throat> on a lot more cultural level, you don't pay somebody, or you do pay people, but they it's it's very different the way that they have it set up as a it's not so much a role that we think of it as in the West. Uh, it's more of something that you can just do for somebody else. And it's very familial. It's very uh, communal. Keep using those words. Over here, though, in the West, we have a very strong disconnect with touch. And it's very difficult for us to move past that. So that's what I find is like the predominant difference
0: in a lot of ways. Do you find that a lot, do you call the people that you work with, what do you refer to them as? Your client, your patient, what, what's <laughs>
2: In my context, specifically their clients, if I was to be working under a doctor or a chiropractor, it would be my patients. Okay. So it depends specifically on the context there.
0: Does it seem as if your, your average client prefers to not see you as their friend, but only as their massage therapist?
2: Yes. And that's what I prefer as well. Uh, you know, it's incredibly, the, it, you know, we could argue about the efficacy of whether or not it'd be better for them to view me as a friend or as a professional. Uh, in the West, though, it is, we we love our boundaries. We love our professional boundaries. And that helps me do my job more effectively if my clients are viewing me in a, uh, looking at me as an authority in the field of. Yeah. body work and looking at me as an authority as somebody that could help them and that
0: makes sense to me too as a client like when I've gone to massage therapists mm-hmm. however it does seem to not be communal
2: mm. to see yes it that way. Right, because of the because of the eastern or like me, look, Western I don't want
0: to talk with you. I don't want to actually be friends with you after this. Just do right, and right. That's not really community, <laughs>
2: right? <laughs> it's not. It's not. Well, it and but it is though at the same time, right? Because you know, when I think of my clients, when I think of the network of people that I've gotten to work with and who are supporting me, I think of them as my village, right? I kind of I think, oh, yep. these are my people. These are my village. Uh, they're my village. They are the people that help me put food on the table. And, uh, so, and, and I get to help them. So there is a communal aspect to it. It is a little bit more transactional, I would say. Right. Right.
0: Um, Like you still like them and you want the best for them and they like you and want the best for you. Yes. You're probably not going out for a drink later together.
2: And that's, and that's actually, you know, very much frowned upon in the profession to mix your relationships like that in the, in the West.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. So, wow.
0: So, what does it? I mean, you, you you explain this in the definition, but try to go put more words into what really gets accomplished.
1: hmm mm-hmm. in, uh,
0: in the massage session, what right. eases the pain, puts them at ease. but what else? What does mm-hmm.
2: it do? So we've discussed the physical manipulation of soft tissues and how this can actually release tension in our muscles. The tensile force that gets loaded between muscles based on, you know, our Anytime that we have imbalances in our muscles, or what is, what is the word? Oh man, I can't even remember that word.
0: Imbalances in our muscles is where Yeah,
2: imbalances. About. It's very it's very common. Or um, oh man, what is the word when you compensate? That's oh. it. Oh man, I was on the yeah, trip of yeah. my tongue. It's gonna drive me insane. Uh, there's a lot of times that our bodies develop compensations for one muscle or another based on our posture or our, the way we work, or if our job requires us to have a repetitive motion on a day-to-day basis, all of these things develop compensations or imbalances in our body and muscles massage helps one by reducing the tensile forces between those muscles and actually helps release all of those layers so that they can function more smoothly and glide easy, more easily. In that tug of war and balance that's happening in the layers. But also, not only does it affect us on a musculoskeletal level, but it also affects affects us on a nervous system level. So massage helps us bring us down into a parasympathetic state within our nervous system. This is incredibly important for our brain to help increase increase healing. Uh, this is a part of neurogenesis that we get whenever we're sleeping. Uh, it's a very similar effect of rest and digest, right? So if anybody's taken an anatomy class and they learned about the parasympathetic state versus the sympathetic state, they learned fight versus flight and then rest versus digest systems that our nervous systems operate within. So massage also helps us foster uh, a parasympathetic state. If someone is comfortable on the table, which is um, incredibly important, you know, if somebody's uncomfortable on the table, then that's not necessarily going to happen. Um, <laughs> so that's also varies person to person. It's not going to be a universal effect. Uh, that's also a day-to-day basis mindset thing, uh, which is, you know, why massage is not a something that we can do in a lab to research and have a effective outcome that's going to show up every single time. So <clears throat> other than the muscular effect, other than the nervous system effect, and other than the communal effect, there's also um <clears throat> Anything that helps us connect with our body, that's going to be our mental connection to our body. That's going to be more of a spiritual effect, right? So body awareness is an incredibly important skill that many people in the U S have not had the chance to foster. Uh, Body awareness typically is thought of as a facet of mindfulness, mindfulness exercises, and anybody who's done any kind of dialectical behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy would be familiar with mindfulness. Um, So that's, and body awareness is a facet of that. So connecting with our bodies, coming into our bodies can have a very positive spiritual and emotional effect on us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think about, I mean, I'm not trained in this, but I'm, so I'll just kind of use my vocab.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah.
0: about whole, I use the word wholeness a lot or wholeheartedness where you, maybe that's similar to body awareness, but it's recognizing and acknowledging something being still enough and aware enough and mindful enough to realize that thing that maybe is just very it's finely obvious to you. An example would be when you're when you're when you're out and about and you're going to work and you're doing this and you're running errands and you just go exercise and you, you don't if you don't stop. You might not notice that lower back pain that you have because you just never allowed yourself to pay attention to it because there's the next thing. Even if you maybe feel it, you don't even acknowledge it because you got to go do the next thing. And then if you actually have a moment of stillness, whether that be um, s- literal just stillness, or ho- also if, if it includes mindfulness, so maybe meditation or prayer or something to that effect, then you go. Wait when did my back start hurting?
1: Mm-hmm. it's because mm-hmm.
0: you finally paid attention mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and that that it, there's like a wholeness to that so yeah how do we as as a as a client of massage therapy can you can you give us you know um as all all of the clients out here listening uh can you give us some tips and tools of how we can integrate mindfulness? and be a good client of a massage therapist? How do we get in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. while the massage therapist does the body work part?
2: Mm-hmm. That's an awesome question. And, and it's so funny too, how you were talking about that as soon as we have this moment of awareness, sometimes that's when the pain starts to crop up. Right. And it's so funny because sometimes people will have that experience on the massage table and they're like, Oh, I didn't even know my low back hurt. And yeah. I'm like, I feel kind of bad almost for bringing awareness to it. Cause I'm like, you could have just gone about your day and not had any issues. And instead you've got a massage for me and now you realize that you're in pain. But typically that pain is somewhat or mostly resolved throughout the end of the session. So they get over it. It's but- in
0: an interesting position. It's uh, actually in, in uh, like literary genre or even in a religious context, that's similar to the role of a prophet where it's I'm the one it's like when you're the one that helps bring awareness to an, a problem.
2: Mm, yeah, that's you're so funny. The fun. one that
0: shows them that problem and sometimes that means they don't like you because of that.
2: Right, <laughs> right.
0: You're the one that made me realize I have a back problem. Therefore, you're the reason I have a back problem. And it's yeah. like, no, "No, I'm not the reason. I'm just the one that showed it to you."
2: Yeah, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's frustrating because I and I know, I'm telling my clients this all the time. I'm telling them our bodies are remarkably good at adapting and we don't give them enough credit for that. We don't give them enough credit for being able to just block out pain signals whenever our brains are feeling particularly stubborn. And we say, you know what, I got to focus on my work. I got a meeting to get to. Um, I'm not going to think about my back pain that is like literally trying to cripple me right now. And it's crazy. It's it's It blows my mind on a regular basis how good we are at tuning out the pain. Oh,
0: signals. I mean, all it takes is Netflix and a glass of wine and just like, I don't, want, oh, yeah. I don't want to think about anything that's not perfect right now. And I'm just going right. to ignore it. And then right. tomorrow I have this meeting and then I'll, and then I won't think about it then either, you know?
2: Right. Right. But massage also doesn't have to be that, you know, profound <laughs> on a level, you know, a lot of people are looking to just receive very light touch and very overall, it's can be just an overall sensory experience that brings them at ease. Uh, yeah. My, my practice tends to oscillate between the two dependent upon what my client might need. So sometimes that's very, very, very deep work that's very, you know, we're gonna get in there, find out what's going on. And then other times it's like, you know, we're just going to feel really good for the next hour. Or yeah, I was minutes. gonna
0: say like uh that's more preventative, probably. Like I didn't mm-hmm. almost like stretching or something. It's like just some, mm-hmm. just just a nice little moment, you know. Just a little moment. Like,
2: yeah. Horrible short right. pain, fix it, please. Right, right. So it
0: right, really depends get back to the mental. Sorry, I kind of cut you off in your Oh, answer, you're good. back to the how do we get in the right mental state?
2: That's um, that's such a good question. Whenever I think about my favorite clients, I think about the people who the first thing they do when they start getting on the table is taking these really big deep breaths. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's what I'm always telling my clients. I'm consistently like, all right, we're going to start with some nice big deep breaths here. I want you focusing on that. I want the awareness of the breath coming in and out to be your main focus for the next hour. So in this, it's actually a very excellent meditative practice because you have somebody here guiding you in the process. Not every one of my clients is stoked on that. So that doesn't always have to be how it turns out. But a lot of times, especially if I have clients who are already, have already dipped their toe in the water of mindfulness meditation or any of these spiritual practices that help us bring our bodies to more ease, like we talked about, Um, then, you know, that's the route that we'll take for the, for the session. Uh, so yeah, focusing on breath is going to be a huge part of it because I also work with your breath. Um, it's really cool because the body, you know, we're doing this expansion and release in our upper, upper bodies as we're breathing. So I'm, and it's almost like self-massage, which is really, really cool. So taking these deep breaths can actually really alleviate a lot of pain in our shoulders, in our chest, in our upper back, in our low back, all these places that are naturally supposed to be expanding and relaxing and in a slight state of movement at all times. But throughout the day, we tend to get very restrictive with our breath. You know, So we tend to just take very short, shallow breaths, not fully filling up and releasing our lungs. And so massage is a really great opportunity to practice that that those nice big deep breaths and I I love I love that part of my job
0: so it seems like it really is a partnership like if I was the client I I could actually help you help me
2: mm-hmm.
0: or I could maybe hinder you from helping me
2: yes yeah there's very much the clients who show up and it's kind of like I can just tell but they just want to be rubbed they don't really want to take part in the process of engaging with their bodies and what they're feeling and that kind of thing and that's fine like
0: but it, but it's fine but they're probably good it's something's lacking though yes that, right yes it's probably, i would say that because your whole you're a whole person it includes your like a mind and and all and spirit and all that's connected to your body they're not
2: no they're, they're not separate they're even. not <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're one person and, right yeah. and But, you know, I'm not a spiritual guide or leader or, you know, so there's also a level where I'm like, all right, I can't, I'm not really qualified to have like a deeply spiritual conversation with you, but I am going to encourage you to take deep breaths because at least we know, at least science supports the fact that we know that that's really good for us. So yeah. <laughs> that's...
0: And, and here in yeah. a little while, in, in a separate, you know, recording for the, for the patrons, we'll have you guide me and us through... Through that so i mean i think in mm-hmm. some ways in some ways i think you are a bit of a spiritual leader just because of it it's all connected
2: mm-hmm. you, know? you flatter me hopefully um hopefully i could own up to it <laughs>
0: <sighs> all right so what what else uh why flow state tell talk, talk about why you named your practice flow state boon mm-hmm. the boon part i know it's we're in boon but why flow mm-hmm. state what does that phrase mean and why do you gravitate towards it so much
2: so I really like the term. It's used a lot in in a lot of actually a couple of different science-based concepts, concepts like physics and that kind of thing, but also it's a very uh spiritual kind of woo term, which I love that it's a little bit of both. Um flow state refers to this practice or this meditative state that typically this is typically used to refer to somebody who's working. So whether it's a craft or if it's like their job, that kind of thing, it's a state of pouring yourself into something and giving something and creating something. And that creation, giving back to you. So it's this, we're giving and we're taking into this process, into this art or craft. And massage is, you know, like we talked about, there's a lot of different ways that we could view it. It's not exactly a regulated healthcare profession in the same way that we would view like doctors or nurses. Um, I like to think of it as an art that's heavily informed by science. So it's very art based, it's very artistic. No massage therapist quite works the same way, even if they have have the exact same foundational techniques and views and methodologies and teachers, they're still going to have a different application of it. Uh, So for me, I love getting in the flow of it. I always think of it as that I feel very flowy when I'm working um, and just kind of making my way down like a river, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, always changing a little, little bit, always undulating and always bringing something new. Uh, so that's kind of where that term comes from. It's also the name of an album that I love. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, I was just like, this is perfect. This describes, describes my practice, my independent practice well describes what I want to accomplish. Well,
0: that's great. How long of a session. I guess it always depends on the client, but how long of a session f- from you f- like on your end, not on the client's end?
2: Mm-hmm. I work
0: you get into that flow state the best.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I work so slow. <laughs> um, I love taking my time and so really longer sessions are typically what I prefer. Most of my clients, first time I tell them, let's start with a 90 minute or a 120 minute. And then if you want to go down to 60 minutes for your regular sessions, that's totally fine. But typically it takes me a 90 minute session to do, to visit every area of the body. Um, it's hard for me to fit in a 60 minute massage everywhere. So I like to prefer, um, refer out my clients to the 90 minute or the 120 minute sessions. Typically for me, I'm, I'm in the mode, I'm in the zone within the first 30 seconds. So it doesn't take too long to warm up there.
0: Wow. 120. I mean, that it's got to make you tired.
2: You get oh no it's like um it's like a you know you you build up the stamina you build up the strength when i was first uh in massage therapy they had us doing exercises outside of school for our hands and that kind of thing but i'll tell you one thing there is not a jar that i cannot open so ah, right <laughs> got the what got the what hand about
0: tired um on a different level like if you are playing a role in the world where there are people who say i need to be touched i need healing mm mm-hmm. And then you're imparting that. And I'm not saying this in some sort of like supernatural way, like you put your hands on them and like magic energy. I don't mean that extreme, but there is Mm -hmm. still, there's healing that's happening and there, and you're giving that and Mm -hmm. there's a pouring out. Do you,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: do you get tired from that?
2: Well, and I could also, I kind of want to turn that question around to you a little bit, because I want to hear about your experiences with burnout and what that means. And, you know, as a spiritual guide, what has that done for you? Um, For myself, I would say the average massage therapist's career lasts about five to seven years. So I'm on year four, so I'll get back to you. Um, But really, I think that One, I've learned that I don't have the capacity, you know, it's not a 40 hour a week job, you can't really massage somebody, you can't really be working hands on working for 40 hours a week doing massage. So there's definitely a level where you have to learn to, what's the word? reserve some of your strength, reserve some of your power. Burnout is very real. And I've gone through periods where I'm just like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, (laughs) I need to find something else. And then I take a break for about a week and a half. And
0: And that was go further with that. Was that because your hands were sore and tired or was it because your, your mind was tired Mm. or something else?
2: Uh, my hands do. Get a little sore. I think I've developed some low-level arthritis in my thumbs, but really, that's something that you can with good body mechanics. As every job should be considering uh, how our bodies are moving throughout our jobs, and how are we having good body mechanics. You know, if we think of our bodies as tools, how can we best maintain our tools for however long we plan on working? Um, mentally, it is what I find to be the most exhausting about it. Is It does require a lot of adaptivity, especially right now, because I'm a mobile massage therapist. So I take my, my, I take my table to my clients' homes. So it requires a lot of, okay, what do you need me to be now? What do you need me to be now? And constantly, constantly switching that up every couple of hours can be a little exhausting because I think that like, so I've definitely gone back and forth on having my own space where I'm working out of, and that being a different kind of tiring versus, adapting into somebody else's space right now I find that to be a little exhausting trying to be everything that other people want me to be I guess um but overall you know I have some of the best clients in the world so uh my my people are great and so I can't really it's it's certainly not on them you know what I mean sure yeah just a matter Uh, of discipline uh, on my part
0: why then, is that? Is, is the mobile part and trying to be what they need you to be, is that why you can have gone to the places where you're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore?
2: No, I think that that feeling is, well, you know, that's also a very human feeling. I don't know a single human that doesn't think yeah. that about their work on a semi-regular basis, at least. Um, yeah. You know, we, we're, <laughs> we don't want to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're tired, you go, do I really want to be doing this?
2: Right. Right. Um, I think too, it's just what I love about working independently is that so much of my practice is just a reflection of my own state. So it requires so much discipline on my part and, 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 and I can openly admit that I'm lacking some of that discipline. So it's like, all right, constant room for improvement, constant room for how can I bring more spiritual discipline into my practice? But it heavily requires that to have something to give.
0: All right, well, since you bounced it back to me. Let's hear it. So something that I, you know, 22 years of of teaching in front of people within a spiritual context. First few years, I experienced this feeling of being tired that I never really heard anyone else talk about and I thought I was kind of alone in it and it was uh, okay I've put in so much of my time and effort and heart and energy into preparing something and the filter that I've always used is when I prepare something during the preparation process I I try to basically to exhaust every path that I know of to for the information so i do way 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 more research than probably is necessary for that final product so to speak of the teaching and the main filter is is this true to the best of my ability Mm -hmm. and then when i in the moment of teaching the filter is is this loving to the best of my ability -hmm. So, when I'm preparing it, it's more in my mind. Is this true? Is this even right? What I'm about to say to the best I can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and according to what I even understand about what truth even is. And then, and then when I deliver it, it's like, is this a loving way in this delivered? But what I never heard anyone talk about is it there's, especially as the number of people listening increases, it's almost like. You are giving energy to more and you are pouring yourself out. And so I would experience a deep exhaustion later that day.
2: Mm, after your teaching?
0: After the teaching, I would feel poured out. Mm. And well, you know, that's a bad thing, but it's a tiring thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That not is tiring.
0: Yourself out. But so I'd be tired. And then it would just kind of be like, and then the next morning, or even sometimes later that evening, okay, well, what's what's next Sunday?
1: Right, right.
0: And what you do is, if you're not careful, it's the same thing as like the lower back example. It's like, well, I don't have time to attend to me being tired because I have to get ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. And so I started being more attentive to that and giving and allowing space in my own heart and mind and life to acknowledge the being tired from it acknowledge it in myself acknowledge it to my family acknowledge it to my friends acknowledge it to the you know work associates and people around me and even and even at times acknowledge it to the whole room of people that I'm teaching mm-hmm. I feel like that's part of wholeness yeah but you yeah. can't I don't think it's healthy to like Maybe have it be like what you do every time, and go full. Like, if as a massage therapist, you don't want to say, "Oh, by the way, I'm really tired right now, and I'm not, I'm sure if I'm in the mood for this." You don't want to say that.
1: No, no, <laughs> you know? no. But,
0: um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so I think that acknowledging that, and it was so helpful that a few years into me doing it, I heard someone else say it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Like, I
2: was it know, another pastor that said it
0: it was okay yeah um and it it was one that i very much looked up to
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in style and approach um and content uh -hmm. because in my experiences i would say a majority of the times that i saw sermons i felt like it was a persona of a person doing something Mm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: as opposed to like them as a, like a natural overflow of their true self. I felt like it was like a fake thing happening. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw someone else, it was like, Oh, this is just them being themselves. And that's what I'm trying to do too. I'm not trying to, Mm -hmm. there's Jason. And then there's like the pastor version of Jason on Sunday who all of a sudden he speaks differently. and, And pastoral and 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 so like um part of the natural vulnerable honest thing is even acknowledging the tire being tired and so just giving myself permission to say I don't know how to do everything I can't be at all the things Mm -hmm. I give myself that space so that I can prepare for that next the next teaching because I've always viewed myself more of a as a of a teacher, I never really felt like a pastor, mm-hmm. um, and so I think just focusing on okay, this is the this is the actual, and I I I still to this day try to view my my role as a teacher as more of an art form than anything else,
2: mm-hmm. as
0: opposed to just conveying information.
2: Right, it's not just a method oh, of delivery. Like,
0: yeah, with massage, it's like no, this is a craft and an art and a flow. This isn't just like. I will now rub your muscles, you know, like robot. It's right, like
2: something right.
0: So Just like with teaching, it, I never saw it as I will now give you information. It's like now I'm trying to do this in an artistic way, and that takes energy, and it takes time, and it and it's a, and it's an emptying out.
2: Mm-hmm. So anyway. and that's and that's been that's you sticking to that authenticity has brought about some of the most impactful teaching. So that's, and you know, I think yeah, definitely the robot rubbing is what I find to be the most burnout, you know, causing thing with massage. But wow, it's so funny. I didn't realize how many similarities there were. Um, (laughs) No, it's yeah, your, your role as a spiritual leader, especially. And it's, it's, it's so funny, because when I think of, like, if we were in a small community or a small village of people and we had a person whose role was to be the spiritual leader uh you know everybody else is coming alongside them to make sure their needs are met right there's like a level of this where it's like we see what your role is and we see what your impact is to the community and what you're giving to the community we also recognize how fragile that is so we have to protect it at all costs right um so that's i hope that i hope that we as a community can come, come around you and protect you and your spiritual energy and make sure you're ready to teach us more things when you are ready. No rush.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that you know, part of it for me is I, ever you know, being in in this community here for 13 or so years. I I'm friends with a lot of really great people like yourself that know how to do really great things. And so I think that being a, being like a connector where it's like, well, I actually know Avery and she knows this craft and I'd love to introduce Avery to more people that know how to do this, you know, that might want to learn about this. And so I think that that's part of it. Part of my role as a teacher is not just me being the one conveying the information and and saying the things, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I'm I'm just so fortunate over the years to, have gotten to know so many people in this community that are, are experts in what they do.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and that's you homogenizing the community. Right. And that helps contribute to wholeness that helps contribute to spiritual communal health. Um, So that's huge. That's, you know, it's we find ourselves in a world. I I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with like the monkey circle term, Um, we're only capable of caring about like, give or take 250 people at once. I don't know. I like, I I've read a little bit about it. I don't know if you have any like thoughts on it or anything, but you know, in a, in a global modernized community where we have access to literally anyone at any time, we do lose sight of the fact that we do have a limited amount of empathy and we do have a limited amount of, I can only care about so many people and they have to be in a certain vicinity of me. So when someone like you comes along and, and you're saying, Hey, let's bolster the relationships we already have around us. That's, that's very uplifting, you know, I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I get, I get, I do get also like exhausted when I think about, okay, I have only, I have about this much that I can give (laughs) in terms of empathy, in terms of um, spiritual connection, in terms of healing. And so having someone like you who helps us utilize the connections we already have and helps us make the most out of it and become the most efficient we can be with our crafts, our various crafts across the community. That's huge. That's huge. Wow. <clears throat>
0: Thanks for saying that.
2: Oh yeah. What's oh, the I...
0: monkey circle thing? What's the the number?
2: Uh I I think 50 you said I think like 250. So
0: 150 people.
2: Yeah. I've heard and I, I'm sure that some it's it's gotta vary based on the person, right? <laughs> it's gotta vary. So But I remember the first first time somebody told me that I was so upset at the thought that I could only care about a limited amount of people that I sat down and tried to write down the names of every person I cared about. And it was not more than 250.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's an, that's interesting. That's an interesting comment because I have similar feelings where I kind of scroll through and go, all right, how many of these people that I'm connected with on Instagram how many of them do i even really know
2: right right
0: and you know so that the the amount of people that you really know is going to be lower than the total number there is then you go okay well just because i know them do we ever spend any time together right Ever, ever i mean and this is including something like zoom like even if they're not in they don't live in the same community but like we somehow spend time together some like a phone call uh text messaging uh, once a year we see each other at a holiday something like that then Mm -hmm. so that number goes down and then you kind of go what's the number of people that I I I would say that you know what we're actually in community somehow for real and then Mm -hmm. the number is lower and then you're Mm -hmm. like what's the number of people that I if I were to never reach out to them they would actually reach out to me and Mm -hmm. it's not just like one way it's that number goes down and then how many of them are like, when I go through major moments in my life, I'm going to call them. You know, the number goes down again. And
1: yeah. Yeah. I wonder and what 250
0: yeah. means, you know, like I wonder yeah. if it's 250 people that you would say, these are my real friends mm-hmm. or, if, or whatever it would mean. Right. I don't know.
2: And, and it's, it's especially exhausting for people like you and I, I would say, because we're both pretty gregarious. We're both pretty like outgoing and we want to talk to people and we want to like, see what's up. And it's kind of like, and what, I, maybe not the mistake, but I think the thing that you and I have done is we've also made it a part of our job. <laughs> so uh-huh. now there's like a professional obligation to be like, what's up? How's it going? Let's, let's connect. And that I also find incredibly exhausting. So I felt so bad because I kept kind of like dodging your texts a little bit when you're like, Hey, let's, let's link up, let's zoom Avery. And I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. I'm not ready, <laughs> but it's, it's, um, I think that you know, circling back to our burnout conversation, it's kind of funny because that's also what's contributed for me being like, okay, I need to pull back. I need to, I need to shift gears a little bit and start working with a more lean approach, I guess. Uh huh. Anyways. Anyway,
0: yeah. And behavior. and and for me, I think part of the key uh, of that rhythm is, is like burnout kind of implies you went you went too hard for too long and you crashed. Yeah. And I, I actually think that if you acknowledge the weariness on a regular basis, it doesn't lead to burnout because mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between burning out and acknowledging when you should stop.
2: Right. Right. And to, I think the, the defining factor that what, from what I've like read about it, the defining factor between just stress, normal stress and burnout is the feeling of hopelessness get, that gets associated with burnout. So. Us saying I'm never going to be able to get on top of all of the things I need to be doing. It is hopeless. It is, there is no way that I can accomplish all of the things that I've set out to do. That's the specific burnout experience. But obviously, an accumulated amount of stress does lead to burnout. So wow. it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a specific kind that's very insidious and very frustrating.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> What else?
0: What else? What else do we talk about when it comes I have, to massage therapy?
2: Oh man, I have several things I want to talk to you about as well. That also have very little to do with massage therapy. So I'm like biting my tongue on these questions that I have. Um,
0: whatever. Let's, let's, let's get in the flow state.
2: <laughs> All right. Sweet. Sweet. Um, I messaged you a little bit ago and told you about how, and this may or may not be something you want to cut out entirely. I don't know. Um, I messaged you a little bit ago and told you about how one of the last sermons that I caught from you at the heart was one of the many nails in the coffin that helped me walk away from religion entirely. And and I knew that you were just about the only person in the world that I could tell them, hey, your sermon helped me leave the church. (laughs) But that was very much my experience. You talked about, and it was... It was so profound to me because you were talking about Yahweh and what the name means. Uh, you were talking about how it kind of just means breath. How to worship God is in itself just a state of existence for humans. Uh, how it's to say Yahweh in Hebrew was literally an inhale and an exhale. It was, it was literally that phonetic sound that meant God's name and what God wanted him to be referred to as. And yeah, that was kind of the content that. Kind of pushed me over the edge. <laughs> why would
0: why would that content push you over the edge?
2: Because massage, actually, <laughs> um, and it, because of my experience with breath work, which is again another facet of body work. Um, because I found so much healing when it came to learning how to breathe and feeling this worshipful experience where I felt connected to God, Yahweh, in a um, very specific way was, that was very impactful for me. And it was something I had learned through massage, through getting exposed to body work, that I had learned that. So yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Um, No, it does. And and
0: actually, I mean, it's, you're not the only person that has told me similar kind of sentiment. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I consider that to be one of my greatest joys of the time of being a pastor, which might seem like a backward sentiment to some religious people mm-hmm. uh because I you know if when you when you tell the world or the people listening that they're they are already everything, one of the potential side effects of that is that they realize they don't need you, mm-hmm. And they don't need the system either. Mm -mm. And when you tell them that one of the things that they might do is they might go, Oh, well then I don't have to be here. Mm -hmm. And my answer is correct. (laughs) Right. That doesn't mean it's wrong to be there, but you don't have to have that in order to be everything. You already have everything. You already are everything. Right. And, And, uh, so I think that what you're, what you're hitting on that happened several times over the years, more than several. And some of the most, so, some people didn't like that. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Um, and it was interesting because it was almost like maybe there were people that wanted me to feel ashamed of the thing that I actually was the most proud of.
1: Mm. Hmm.
0: And so I, th- I think it's like the it in in some co- in some ways the the context that we were in. It's helpful if it allows and leads to growth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: instead of just being in that context is the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I find myself saying, you know, oneness with God already everything those kinds of things and then people were like oh wow thank you I think I'm done now
2: yeah yeah
0: and and then I would be like good congratulations (laughs) sweet as opposed to no 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 and I think that what happens is what happens in the because obviously there can be some beautiful and there are beautiful aspects of religion I'm not knocking religion in the whole world in every way shape or form that's not my intent but religion um, when it is in a negative context, uh, attempts to control people, attempts to let people know that they are not enough. Mm-hmm. And so if you tell people that they're already enough and they go, oh, thank you. Goodbye. Then if I'm already enough, and I, don't, I was here because I thought I wasn't enough. And then you told me you're enough. I think I'm going to be done now. And I I just kind of go, that's good. As long as go tell people that they're enough, not just like, okay, I'm done. Thanks. Oh
2: my gosh. Oh, that's so funny because, you know, yeah, coming out of my own period of deconstruction, it's been very much like, all right, what is actually important to me? And it's so funny because what the conclusion I've arrived at is kindness and being good and you know outpouring that love saying that i feel in myself and that peacefulness in myself that i'm feeling like okay i am enough now i want other people to know that they're enough too and that wholeness very heavily relates to massage and it's <clears throat> when i was still in the church and practicing massage i almost felt a little at odds with some people sometimes about it and it is so strange I did not feel supported within the church community with my work, partially due to the fact that many people have a very hard time separating touch from sexuality. And to them, that was a very dirty and bad thing.
1: Yeah,
2: And so it it was, I started kind of feeling already at odds when it came to that. And then mm-hmm. realizing, okay, well, massage is part of who I am. It's part of what I want to give to the world. And yet you no. feel so at odds with it. Like it, it didn't and make sense. it's a sense.
0: classic example of negative framing of something so it's like uh what we, we started out talking about human touch one human saying to the another human I see you I hear you and I want to try to be connected with you and help in some way that could be something as detailed as a licensed massage therapist or it could be something as primitive as you're crying so I'm going to hold your hand yeah, because i I'm touching you because I'm with you. And mm-hmm. so if you take human touch, if you own, and this is what I mean about religion at its worst, telling people they're not enough human touch as a connection. If you only think about the worst thing that can happen within that, mm-hmm. I um, someone saying they connected with sexual sexuality um, or more specifically, they're, what they're doing is they're connecting with the the worst aspect of sexuality. Right. Like right. inappropriate sexuality, right?
1: Right.
0: It's human touch is good and beautiful and natural. Sexuality, good, beautiful, and natural. Unless it's done in an inappropriate way, in which case everything done in an inappropriate way is wrong. Everything. Right. Food, right. Uh, you know, eating food, good, healthy, natural, unless you do it unhealthily, in which case it's bad for you right in touch same way it's like any if well if you're only talking about the worst possible thing that can happen within this then yeah that's bad <laughs> right
1: right uh, exactly
0: but not it's, the yeah. essence of the of what it is the human experience of it you know
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: i think that that sometimes religious people get they only think about the worst thing that could happen within the context of anything Mm -hmm. and that leads to phrases like there needs to be accountability for it and that's true Mm -hmm. you know there does but let's let's not only think about the worst thing that can happen within this what if we actually thought about the best thing that can happen within this
2: yeah yeah because it's like you know I've uh, like I spent I have spent some time in the charismatic church a couple years back before coming to the heart and I you know, got exposed to these spiritual gift ideas and you know, these crazy okay. spiritual gifts that I'm like, Wow, this is so powerful and profound. How does massage relate to spiritual gifts? And being told it doesn't,
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, Wait, hang on. But no, yes, touch is so integral into our human experience, into our communal human experience. We're very social creatures by nature. Um, and the way that we relate to others through physical touch is profound and powerful. Yeah. Also, one of the ways that the church has really made given, especially, what do we call it? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant mainstream um, United States church also has a very firmly held belief that the mind is very separate from the body. Um, this is something that a lot, a lot of worldviews are at odds with. Right. Um, personally, I definitely as i got more and more exposed to massage i was like oh wow the mind and body really aren't separate at all personhood is absolutely embodied by our muscles and our ligaments and tendons and
0: it's a uh, yeah I, I i did i did several teaching on this <laughs> for the years i think that there was a within the context of conservative christianity that comes from the word flesh
2: yes right? yes
0: and uh but within the context even even if you're just looking within the context of the bible not even zooming out of that uh the word flesh a few times early on is referring to actual skin right like we would define the word flesh but by the time you get into the word later on in the bible by the time you the word flesh becomes a bad word it isn't referring to your skin it is it is a symbol of the that part of you that chooses poorly the part of you that is dark or the shadow part of you Mm -hmm. or the the part of you that makes the wrong decision.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So you could just say like, you know, yes, as a person there, there's a part of me that chooses the right thing. And there's a part of me that for whatever reason wants to go down this other path. My true self, my true self picks is is on the right path because I'm one with God. I'm made in the image of God. There's a part of me though, that wants to make bad decisions that according to maybe a conservative Christian view, you can, you can use the word flesh for that if you want to, but it doesn't mean your body.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It doesn't mean your skin is bad or that your, your, your muscles and your, so it's, I wish they would have used a different word other than flesh.
2: Right. I should start referring to myself as a flesh worker.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Some
2: Conservative Christians off. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But it's, but it's, it's, it's like, no, it's my body isn't bad.
2: No, yeah. There's a
0: part of me though that, of course, you know, every human is capable of making bad decisions. Yes, that's true.
2: Right, right, and its just like so much of our the church. You're so much more graceful with religion than I am because right now I'm still very angry, and so I'm still very like, Ah. "Stop it!" Um, But the church really did set us up for so much it's and this is gonna the church set us up to be carrying so much pain in our body especially people who grew up particularly religious because Mm -hmm. we've been taught to totally to deny the body literally we are taught to shut down our feelings and the way our body makes us feel and how we relate to the world when you grow up in a conservative 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 christian environment you're taught to literally deny that and it's and now it's like part of my job is to literally for myself, so I can better help people is to literally undo that. And so going in the process of an untying all these mental knots I've created around these ideas and like, you like, no, there, I shouldn't have to feel so sh- shame, so viscerally in my body all the time. Uh, all of these things that I just like, yeah, it's just kind of working against the flow of the church and kind of trying to like swim upstream. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're undoing some, you're helping people undo some things that are the unhealthy aspects of the, the context of the religion that they were in, not, because there are millions of people in the world that would refer to themselves as followers of Christ or Christians that didn't grow up in the context that denies the body. Not all of Christianity is like that is really right. trying to say.
2: Right, right. It's you know, not, it's not. In particular, uh, yeah. there are
0: in particular millions of eastern Christians that don't deny the body.
2: Right. But, yeah. they, but
0: so, like, so I guess what I'm getting at is the way of Jesus, in my opinion, doesn't deny the body.
2: He doesn't. He doesn't. Nothing about christ teachings you know obviously you know we could even refer to the body as a temple which is something christians you really don't want to mm. fully flesh out <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's nicely done but thank you thank you um but and you know i i do know that what i'm referring to specifically is a is a almost a bible belt idea yeah that's right? right it's yeah, yeah. it's very southern it's very southern american um
0: but that's where you are so that's the context that you were in and and then obviously there's, you know, any, any person familiar with the Bible might be thinking, what about something like taking up your cross daily, right? That's a denial of self, so to speak. Um, but I don't think that's the same as not paying attention to your body. I, I think that taking up a cross would be more of in the context of, let's be the kind of people that we willingly lay our lives down for others.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: mm-hmm. That, <clears throat> that isn't a denial of the body. -mm. That is that is a a use of the body in love. Mm
2: -hmm. It's an extension of the body and extension of you know when we feel comfortable with ourselves and when we're able to um, feel comfortable within our own boundaries, we're able to push past those boundaries and we're able to send that love and connection to other people. But yeah, anyways, it's I wish I didn't feel so at odds with it with those mentalities, but definitely where I'm at personally still very much like that makes me particularly mad, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways.
0: But you're going to help heal that in people too, not just their muscles, but you'll help heal them.
2: Maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. We'll see what happens.
0: I think you probably already are. I mean, I don't, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I don't know, but I I just helping people attend to their, to their breath, paying attention to their body, caring about their own wholeness. That's a spiritual role. And therefore,
2: mm.
0: you know, helping bring healing to
2: them, I think. I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> so yeah, my recommendation to people in general, when it comes to how can we... <sighs> how can we utilize our bodies better? How can we be more aware and practice mindfulness with our bodies on a regular basis? My recommendation recommendation to people, 30 minutes a day of movement is incredibly important since so much of us live a sedentary lifestyle, um, getting our heart rate up, getting our heart rate going, moving our muscles in unique and interesting ways that we don't already on a day-to-day basis is incredibly important for helping us maintain our bodies. Uh, especially as we get older, it's incredibly important. Uh, we want to support our health so that we can, you know, age gracefully, right? Uh, it's incredibly important to exercise because we ex- we strengthen the muscular attachments to our bone, which helps decrease uh, the likelihood of bone loss, bone density loss as we get older. It's important, especially for women. Um, so really anything that we're doing that's going to be helping contribute contribute to these systems helping us feel better now and work as preventative medicine later. uh, That's incredibly important. So yeah, 30 minutes a day is my general advice to folks um, and starting from there and finding out what feels good and moving on from there. That's
0: good. How often would you recommend someone go to a massage therapist?
2: Mm, Heavily depends on what they've got going on. Heavily depends on, you know, if it's a specific issue, obviously that's, if you haven't already been checked out by a doctor for a specific kind of pain, you know, that's definitely somewhere you want to start. Physical therapy is also incredibly beneficial. Um, if someone really wants to change, really create change in their body and create, you know, if they have muscular pain due to a deficiency or due to a, like a postural deficiency, um, that, or that kind of thing, we can implement stretches and exercises to help strengthen the muscles to create more space in the body so that they don't have that compensation going on. Um, so really that's, if I was going to give like a regimented, like you should be doing this, this many times I would say movement, stretching and exercising massage itself is better for fostering the skill of, Oh, this is my body. These are the boundaries of my body. Here's where I start and end. And helping really literally just creating helping create that mind body connection and creating those neurological pathways is incredibly important in another sense um i get massages about once a month give or take um some massage therapists are weekly every other week that kind of thing um
0: do you only do it once a month because of like budgetary reasons like would you do it more if uh, you know what I mean? Like, if it was like, okay, got all the money in the world, I don't even have to think about it. Would you do it more than once a month?
2: Honestly, if I, it's not even the, it's not even the budget. It's that I have yet to find a massage therapist that I um or a body worker that I'm like, yes, so excited about. Right okay. now, I'm I'm kind of missing that right now. So okay. maybe if I found somebody that I was like, I I need to see you once a month, my answer would be different. Okay. Um, but yeah, right now I haven't gotten anybody that I'm, well, I, I love my massage therapist. She's a lovely woman. She's Mm -hmm. right now, her and I are actually tied as the most highly rated independent massage therapists in Boone. Um, miss Sharon, she's lovely. She's 25 years experience and blows me out of the water. Um, wow. Cool. Yeah. She's so talented, but, um, you know, it's still just like part of me is also kind of, I don't get the same thing out of it that I used to, which is so sad, but.
0: (laughs) Oh, I would imagine it'd be hard not to analyze their work even though you're the client
2: yeah yeah I've thought about just like trying to find a new massage therapist and like just showing up and telling them oh I'm an accountant like just like kind of totally changing my personas and being like a very different person (laughs) and seeing if I liked it better just Uh because I don't know maybe less pressure that I'm feeling mentally but right right um yeah certainly not I probably should be going more um but yeah, I recommend a really with any therapy, whenever somebody hears the word therapy, what I tell them is to re- think of that as this may help you, this may not. And that is heavily based on context and methodologies used. So, <clears throat> you know, that that can be like mental therapy, talk therapy, CBT, DBT, physical therapy, all these like therapies. It may help you. It may not. Depends heavily on the practitioner and the context. So. Those are, it's, it's, it's not a, um, you know, like we've talked about these repeatable outcomes, you know, that's not, that's not there with everybody with massage. Sure.
0: Any, any closing thoughts just on, on, uh, any little nuggets of wisdom for us and then, and then we'll stop and then we'll restart with the meditation.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about knots? We could talk sure. about knots, like what are knots? Um, sure, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I get that question a lot. And so yeah. I was like, all right, I, I want to be sure to I touch love on it. this yeah. a little bit. It's so funny because, again, with massage not being a very regulated prof- profession, you'll hear a lot of different things. And it's kind of like, all right, let's 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 say what we do know. We actually know very little about the body, which is very surprising because we use them so often. Um, science really hasn't had the time to effectively research yet what is actually happening when we contract and relax our muscles. We don't exactly know the method or the, uh, the actual reaction that's happening when we're doing this. Um, so I've heard some people say it's lactic acid buildup. I've heard some people say it's crystals. I had one person tell me it was air bubbles trapped in their muscles and they were like, Oh, well, my massage therapist told me this a couple of years ago. And I was like, no,
1: <laughs>
2: no, like if you had air bubbles trapped in your body, do you know how bad that would be? Like, (laughs) it's like, that could kill you at any second. Um, so it's not that what is actually happening with muscles is we have all these layers of fibrous tissues, uh, some of it muscle, some of it fascia, some of it just inter inter organ tissue. They're all consistently rubbing up against one another in this contracting and relaxing function that's happening all across our body, whatever we're utilizing our skeletal muscles. What happens is over periods of chronic overuse, whether it's, you know, a repetitive motion that you're doing in your job on a daily basis, what happens is this friction becomes a little less efficient. So it tends to get a little bit harder and rigid for it to easily slide across each other. So what happens is they start to kind of bunch together and get a little stuck. So... Mm -hmm in this overall system of tug of war that's happening in our body, this creates tightening in various locations. Um, but no, it's not a physical fibrous knot. What massage does though, that physical manipulation helps um, create space and flexibility in those spots that already had it to begin with, but maybe lost it along the way. If that makes sense.
0: Totally. I mean, it makes as much sense as it can to my limited mind but yeah
2: okay okay I'll have to work on my explanation sounds good I uh
0: I think I get it It, it's helpful yeah I I, I'm already noticing like yeah like this one little spot right there in the back Mm
2: -hmm. right yeah that's a very common one very very common um some people they just want you working on that one spot for an hour and it's like okay maybe we could also teach you some exercises to help with that
0: well yeah and our body is connected to other parts of our body too and it's not just about that one spot. It's like where that spot goes, where it came, came from. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And fortunately, actually referred pain, what you're referring to is, was something that for a long time was only anecdotal evidence. We did not know for sure, like we couldn't prove it with research based on whether or not did the body actually send pain that was orig- originating at one spot and then actually ending up in another spot. Now we do know that that does actually happen for most people. Um, and it's because from your, from the tips of your toes to the top of your skull, you have layers of tissue that are connected all the way up. There is no separation. There's no, like it's, it's all very, very interconnected.
0: Yeah. And then also the compensation thing that you talked about earlier, like it hurts here because you're trying to stop this other pain and you're using your muscles and mm-hmm. trying to make and, it not yeah. hurt there.
2: Mm-hmm. Or the, you're protecting a certain part of your body. Yeah, That's
0: really what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
2: Right. And mm-hmm. that's even, we even do that on an emotional level. Like, <clears throat> and this is again, a reason why I so heavily believe that our personhood is, if not just as much a part of our body as it is our mind. Um. You know, I caught myself for a little bit after, you know, and this is, you know, I would assume it's a traumatic response for something. I caught myself always holding my arm up right here, like up next to me. And it's literally, this was so I could defend myself. I was like a subconscious thing that I was doing to protect my face, protect my neck, all of these areas. I didn't even realize I was, my lizard brain was doing this on a subconscious level. It was like, I gotta be ready to to pounce, you know, to strike. And it's when I started, it was it still is a conscious effort to be like, all right, bring my arm to my side. Nobody's attacking me. Nothing's, <laughs> nothing's happening. That was like, wow. that process is exhausting and yet it is so important for our body health.
0: See? Mm-hmm. Well, if you want a little dose of more, we recorded a brief little... Session where she walked me through just a, a, a mindful moment, and that mindful moment is for patrons only, which leads to a reminder that this podcast is supported by patrons on a platform called Patreon. And if you want to become one of those patrons that supports this podcast that makes all this possible, you can go to Patreon.com/thingsaboutthings. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com/slash things about things, maybe give five bucks and help me with my equipment and help me to continue to get ready to make more teaching video shorts. And you get exclusive content. So you get extra little podcasts, you get some behind the scenes stuff, I mail you little things like stickers and maybe art prints and a book, depending on which tier you choose. So Thank you to all of you that are Patreon patrons and thank you to all of you that are considering it. So go to patreon.com/thingsaboutthings to support the podcast and remember to go to Avery's website if you're interested in reading about what she does and maybe hiring her to be your massage therapist. You can go to flowstateboon.com flow f l o w state s t a t e and then boon com, flowstateboon.com. And of course, and as always, you can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things.